This, this is the Second Second Story Podcast. Welcome back to Second Story. Today on the program is Andrew Riley, a Second Story alum. Let's get right into his story. It was told in February 2016 at Pub 626. It was February, and after years of only knowing her as a name on a flyer or one thrown about by some mutual friends, Isabel and I had been texting back and forth for a few weeks, but you never know. Isabel was an actor, and she was a director, and she could write and sing and dance, and she was just so, so beautiful with those blue eyes and that raven black hair, a working artist, you know? I had some boring desk job, but she was out there living her art. I mean, how hot is that? And, and I just couldn't figure it out because I was 34 and she was 26. And what do women that age want anyway? I mean, shit, what do women any age want? But just in case, I had this whole speech written in my head about I'm, I'm sorry if I saw something that wasn't there, and I swear I'm not some creepy old man, but she said she was coming over and we would make chili, and later we could go watch the Seahawks dismantle the Broncos, and instead, we listened to music, and we just talked for hours, and I know that a gentleman does not kiss and tell. <laughs> so I will just say that somewhere out there was a Super Bowl party we never did quite make it to. My alarm went off just after sunrise, and I awoke to her burrowing into my shoulder beneath the blankets. Stay, I said. I'll call in sick. Isabel smiled softly as she sat up. I've got voiceovers at nine, but believe me, she said, I'd, I'd rather be here. So I do get to see you again, right? Of course, she said leaning in over crumpled sheets to punctuate it with a kiss on my lips. Of course. It was March, and she was busy with wall-to-wall auditions all over Chicago, so I headed out to Los Angeles, and catching up with some of those mutual friends of ours over drinks, they told me all about their lives, but I just wanted so badly to shout back at them about mine. You guys, I finally met Isabel. And she is just as amazing as you said she was, and she likes me. But then part of me thought it was maybe still soon. We hadn't been seeing each other that long, hadn't been too public about whatever we were, hadn't really talked about that stuff, and what if she had some weird rules about, I don't know, Facebook or something? Fuck, man, I don't know how her generation, (laughs) her generation, Christ, would you listen to me? (laughs) you should have told them she would say later Isabel now seated in my lap in the chair in her living room arms draped lightly around me well why it's just and here she leaned more into me burying her face under the crook of my neck it's just nice to know that you're thinking of me It was April, 
And while she had been locked up in rehearsals, I had headed off on a last minute solo trek through Michigan and Ohio. But now she was done and I was back and oh dear God, were we drunk. She and her roommate threw this party all tequila and Jaeger and more tequila and jello shots and more Jaeger. And for the first time since the Super Bowl, there were no emails that needed answering, no scripts needing memorization, just she and I and an apartment full of friends, me saying, hey, put on the National or U2, and she instead going with the Charlie XYZ or whatever that person's name is, <laughs> and we danced and we laughed and we did all the other things that adults do with their Friday nights and if the moment could have lasted forever, I would have asked it to. I awoke the next morning to sunlight peeking through her bedroom blinds and a rapid fire clicking sound from somewhere, my head in a vice, body not ready for so much hell to pay and, wait, no, that clicking sound was not from somewhere. It was from here, right here in bed next to me. I turned my head to find her wide awake, face lit by the glow of her laptop screen. Is everything okay? Isabel kept typing away, not even stopping to look up. I thought you'd never wake up. I sat up looking past her to the clock on her nightstand. 8.13 a.m. I thought we were going to sleep in. Baby, she said. That was sleeping in. It was May, and we had just left the opening night of a play she had directed. And we'd dressed up for it, even though the theater itself wasn't the most regal of venues, but she'd spent so many dozens upon dozens of hours working on it. And of course, the show was great, and you guys, I looked pretty good but she looked fantastic, all heels and glasses, and she'd done up her hair and found this light red dress that draped itself over her hips, and right then I could have sworn I was the luckiest man on all of Fullerton Avenue. <laughs> Let's go somewhere, I said. Champagne, fancy appetizers, that kind of thing. It's, it's opening night, my treat. Baby, she said, that sounds so nice. But I've got an early meeting tomorrow. You know how it goes. Can we just go home? Of course, I said, squeezing her hand and leaning in to kiss her on the cheek. Of course. It was June, and I had a few weeks vacation coming up that September, and yeah, you know, I did have some ideas about what to do with all that time. Isabel, I leave in September, and I'm going to start in France. Wine, cafes, accordions, Paris, and I mean, I'm not asking you to come with, but if I did, could you? Would you? Even if it's just for part of it, we've got a while to figure it out. Baby, she said, you know I can't do that. Well, why not? If it's a money thing, let me pay for it. It's fine. I, no, I mean, I'll probably have to work. Well, you're always working. Well, yeah, she said. Working artist, that's kind of how it goes. 
It was July, and we'd had tonight's dinner reservations for weeks. 9 p.m., wine and a tapas, Lake and Morgan. And for just as long, we'd been talking about how great a time we would have, what we were going to wear, how else we were going to live it up. From the living room, I could hear her answer her ringing cell phone, watched as she walked out from her bedroom, hair resting over her shoulders, long black dress, crimson lips, smiling mischievously. Magnificent. Uh-huh, she said into the phone, reaching for a pen and paper. Yeah, tomorrow's good. Then looking up at me and mouthing the word agent. What time should I be on set? Then back at the notepad, mouth crumpling in disappointment. Gotcha. Six. No, I'm used to waking up early. And then to me as she hung up, well, I've got some great news. And I've got some bad news. And yeah, you'd be a little upset too. This was plans. This was five months in. This was fucking Friday night out. This was our time to start being us. And I mean, what the hell, right? When will things not come up at the last minute? What are we doing? What do you even want from me? Baby, she said, it's not just me. You're never around either. But what the hell are you talking about? Baby, I'm talking about Los Angeles, or Michigan, or Ohio, or Prague, or wherever you're running off to this fall. This fall is Paris, I corrected her, not Prague. And that's not running off, that's just me doing what I like. And three of those were only because, see, she said, you do understand. It was August, and she was in a play just down the street from here. One of those ensemble within an ensemble things where she played a cop and a newscaster and a woman at a bus stop. And you guys, she was so good. So fucking good up there, bathed in so much of that blue, red, green stage lighting and me, like everyone else in the place, just hypnotized. After the show, we stood outside the theater, arms around each other's waist, and I knew I had to ask, because if I asked, she would answer, and if I had an answer to this, I had an answer to the rest of it too. It's Paris, just like I've been telling you about. I leave next month, come with, let me give the world to you. But then she went first, baby, I'm... And she stopped for a deep breath here head down and then back up again as she collected herself. Baby, I'm gonna be really busy for a while and I'm not gonna be able to see you before you leave for... Where was it you're going again? There comes a point in so many relationships where you both know your time has come, that perhaps the two of you have only been prolonging the inevitable. Call what happens next the fade away if you are of my generation, uh, sort of mutual ghosting, if you are more of hers. <laughs> but no matter who you are, you could more easily say that moment, she and I, hands letting go of hands in that cool air and fading daylight along Sheridan Road was the end of whatever we were. But like I said, we'd never really talked about that stuff. 
It was September now, and I had spent the day walking the miles through this strange and wonderful new place, down the avenues and across the river to that very, very famous tower in the city's west end, and just ahead of me, yes, of course, I could see the woman heading up the stairs, pretty brunette, gorgeous, long, wavy hair, and no, I didn't say anything, but it was nice to want to, you know? Upwards and upwards I climbed, the wind picking up through the terrace's open air, strangers all around speaking their beautiful cacophony of tongues, and you guys, I actually caught myself thinking, Isabel would love this place. And then, don't worry, it's only been a month. You'll get over her. From the top floor, I watched the sun begin to set, the Eiffel Tower beginning to glow up above as the lights cascaded in from the boulevards, the leaves atop the trees kissed with early autumn orange and red, the cathedrals to the east, that most elegant of cities waiting out there with open arms, and if I listened closely, I swear I could hear Paris itself whispering back in its own way, you'll see. We want people to be things a friend, a partner, a lover, a savior. But what I hadn't counted on was that some people are talented enough to do something else entirely. And that in the end, Isabel had come along and given me a gift. Because without her, I don't end up here, in this city, at this moment, atop this tower, basking in the warmth of this most perfect of sunsets. And I would not have heard that voice behind me, would not have felt the tap on my shoulder, would not have turned around to see, yes, of course, that pretty brunette with that gorgeous, long, wavy hair, playful smile, arm outstretched and motioning with her camera. Excuse me, she said. Do you speak English? She was Canadian, a school teacher. It was her first time in Paris, too. And she wouldn't be here very long either. And as I would come to learn, she was in a lot of other ways exactly where I was. And that, as far as I could tell, was at least a good place to start. Andrew's story was curated by Jess Young. He was directed by Dorothy Milne, and the sound design was by Matthew Chapman. Second Story is supported in part by the Chicago Community Trust, the MacArthur Funds for Arts and Culture at the Richard H. Treehouse Foundation, the Gaylord and Dorothy Donnelly Foundation, a City Arts Grant from the City of Chicago Department of Cultural Affairs and Special Events, the Arts and Business Council of Chicago, the Arts Work Fund for Organizational Development, and many generous individuals like you. I'm Nick Kawahara, and this, this is the Second, Second Story Podcast.